This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. When you have time, subscribe to the podcast, Kelly and Ramya, available to you. You can listen to the show in segment form. You can listen to the complete Kelly and Ramya podcast experience. Hey, Megan McGraw has our audio vanity card that you can find on the end of the full show podcast. Nice. First time, her contributing one. It's cool. Check it out when you get time if you have to, if you are listening to or prefer to listen to the show in the podcast version. Any way you can, we appreciate it. Maybe while you're in there, give us a rating and review. Ramya Muthens here, Kelly McDonald. We're the hosts of the program. Rum's got that Christmas tree in behind her. I've got Christmas fire uh, in behind me off the set. Let's uh, bring in, as we love to do every month, we do a health check-in with Leslie DePoe. DePoe registered nurse and there's nothing I love more than helping folks learn about their own health so they can be a better advocate for themselves and those around them. Join me for your health check-in where we chat all things health and wellness and even a little bit of science from time to time. Leslie, we've done this before, had a great conversation. First of all, welcome back. Best of the season to you. <laughs> thank you. Thank um, you. We've done this tremendous chat at this time of the year about some of the things that are out there that are asked that what are those topics that people have really been the hot button health topics as we've we've kind of been doing a little bit on our program in other areas we're going to do it with you today yes that's exactly it and i'm quite looking forward to this too because um we are we're going to talk about some some top asked top googled questions of the year i mean there's nothing that a healthcare professional likes more than a patient who's already googled their problem and told you exactly what they need no i'm just kidding um but we do we love the internet (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we love the internet. It's a wonderful tool in so many ways, but uh, getting all of your advice off of the internet, not necessarily your best move. So we're going to dive into some of these most Googled healthcare questions of the year, and I'm going to see if I can't help to give you some answers. All right, let's rock and roll. So first up, maybe it's just up because it's quite frankly, it's cold out and flu season, and there are mm-hmm. loads of bugs going around at this time, but it looks like you have at least two questions on your top 10 about strep throat. Wow. Yeah, go, go figure. Apparently, strep throat, quite the hot topic this winter. If you want to be popular Yikes. at Christmas dinner, this is, this is the one to bring up. Please please pick this over religion and politics this winter. Yeah, this is your easy topic. That's the water cooler. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. the big Christmas gap. conversation gap. tips from yeah, Leslie Yeah, that's the Christmas gap right? for sure. Just clear it right out. Just clear your throat and, and speak you up. You got it. You got it. So uh, two of the top 10 (laughs) questions from Google this year are how long is strep throat contagious and how contagious is it? So I'm going to see what I can answer for you. I mean, okay, so start with the basics. Strep throat's a bacterial infection, okay? And normally it makes people have a really sore throat, kind of scratchy throat as well. Just because you have a sore throat, does that mean you have strep throat? 100% no. This is just a small portion of sore throats are strep throat. Now, the issue with strep is if it's left untreated, you can end up with some pretty exciting complications, and I use that term loosely, um, like bad complications. This is one of those things you do not want to ignore, okay? And like I'm talking like kidney problems, rheumatic fever, things that can start to damage your heart as well with strep. It's actually Mm. more common in kids um, than it is in adults, but it affects everybody. So essentially, if you have signs or symptoms of strep, you need to go to your doctor because there's testing you can do. It's a quick swab. They do it in office. They confirm. They normally send out a secondary swab to the lab if they need to, but a lot of times just the 
in the in-office one is good enough to go with. The symptoms that we talk about with strep, you end up with a, a, a throat, like a sore throat. It normally comes on really quickly. Um, some people report difficulty swallowing, almost feels like you've got golf balls on the side of your neck. Uh, you go open your mouth in the mirror, it's red, uh, your tonsils are kind of swollen. Sometimes you see some white patches in the back of your throat, which is yummy. That's pus, good times. Again, people oh to bring this up at Christmas dinner. Um, and you get some tiny red spots too in the back. Sometimes a fever, sometimes a headache, sometimes a rash as well, body aches, that kind of thing. So here are your big red flag symptoms, okay? If you have a sore throat plus tender, swollen lymph nodes, red flag. Sore throat that goes on more than 48 hours, red flag. Sore throat plus fever, sore throat plus rash. And then any kind of breathing difficulty, respiratory stuff. If any of that is happening, off to your doctor, okay? Um, another big red flag, we've talked about this on the, on the show before, but A, do not stop taking your antibiotics just because you start feeling better on day three. Okay, you have to continue the entire course of the antibiotics that otherwise all you did was kill the easy stuff up front and the big bad stuff keeps going and that's why we've got bugs that are resistant to antibiotics. So finish your course of antibiotics. Also a red flag if you've been taking your antibiotics and you're not feeling better in 48 hours. Okay, so that's kind of your nitty gritty on what does it look like? What do we do with it? Now, how contagious is it? This is a heck of a question, but it was most Googled, so I'm going to try my best. It really depends on whether or not you're on antibiotics. Um, if you're taking antibiotics, like you've been properly diagnosed with strep, and now you've got something to take, your risk of infecting somebody else goes down really significantly within the first 24 to 48 hours on the antibiotics, okay? If you are not on antibiotics, either because you are just kind of sucking it up and pretending this isn't happening, or because you've got other reasons you can't take them, you can actually remain contagious for several weeks. Oh, I don't my. really know how to quantify. Yeah, it's long, which is why this is why it passes around real quickly. Because uh -huh. you don't have mm. to be like on, on death's door to be giving it to somebody else. So the big piece is that when you look at those red flags that I just chatted about, get in and see your doc. Like I said, it's a quick, it's a swab and a dip while you're sitting there in the physician's office and you will know. And if you know, you walk out with your antibiotics and you're done. I don't really know how to quantify how contagious it is. The bottom line is it's definitely contagious uh, and it spreads through droplet contact. So same thing we've all been practicing for the last three years, uh, cough, sneezes, sharing beverages, fluid, you can pick it up if you've walked, you know, your kids have wiped their snotty nose and touched the door handle. That's how this stuff gets passed around. So the bottom line is know what your red flags are, good hand hygiene, good overall public health uh, kind of top of mind practices. You know, if you don't feel well, don't go to the family dinner. If you don't, you know, if you're, if you've been prescribed antibiotics, take them for their full course. Um, but otherwise, like I said, I think we've got lots of good practice over the last two years about how to manage that part of it. So I definitely encourage you to continue with those practices. Okay. Um, I'm curious about the rhyme and reason behind the next one. Another question that appears to be on people's minds this year is how to stop snoring. Really? I love this. I have no idea why this was. All I can think is maybe people are still on the hot end of they didn't fully go back to work or something, and they're just around their loved ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're not looking for themselves. They're looking for their Googling? bed buddies. Okay. It's that's all the I breathing think. appointments. It's all the sleep <laughs> the sleep appointments people are trying to have that's and the right. new machines out there. That's a you fair know, the sleep assessment, machines. though. Oh, yeah. 
I do. You're just I taking too many naps. You guys are right about this. No, but it's true. And the truth is, it's very rare that snorers are the one to say, hey, I think I snore. <laughs> I yeah, I'm really disturbing yeah, myself. You're totally right. That's right. right. I'm really totally disturbing right. myself. I've accused many of people of snoring, but it's never been myself. Okay, so. And never you. Me neither. I sleep like an angel. What are you talking about? Exactly. Uh, okay, so here's the deal. What is snoring to begin with? The bottom line is you, air is not easily flowing through either your nose or your mouth. That's a whole bunch of reasons. You could have allergies, you can have a stuffy nose, but you can also have these larger structural issues. So people who have like a long soft palate, poor muscle tone, believe it or not, bulky throat tissues, which is a thing, um, all of this just kind of means that you can have some trouble. For the most part, mild snoring, you know, the cute kind that Ramya and I do, yeah. not a problem. <laughs> but if it's if it's the big kind of snoring, the kind that makes it sound like you've stopped breathing, this is a big problem. So, like, you're 100% right, Kelly. Like, this is where you're going to a, to a sleep study. This is where you're seeing your GP. This is where you have a fancy CPAP machine. And the real concern is because people actually obstruct their airway. And that if you've ever been in a room with someone with sleep apnea, it is terrifying. I will tell you, as a nurse, when I first started, we'd do rounds in the middle of the night. I'd hold mm. up a flashlight to see if somebody's, you know, your stomach's moving, just make sure everybody's okay. Yeah. I stood in front of a guy's bed for 30 seconds, and he didn't do <gasps> anything. And I thought, oh, my God. Oh, yeah, that is scary. Are we to call a code? And then all of a sudden, he goes, and comes back to life again. So oh, my. people can do this, and it is extreme how long you can stop breathing, how many times in a minute, like 30 or more times a minute people yep. stop breathing. Um, so listen, there are easier things like the nose strips or dehumidifiers. That's going to maybe help you with those minor issues. If you have obstructive sleep apnea, you need a medical assessment, usually followed by uh, an appointment at the sleep clinic and then normally followed by a super cool sleeping device like a CPAP. <laughs> the reason this is so significant is because when you stop breathing, your body's oxygen levels drop and the body reacts by producing epinephrine. So like almost like adrenaline, it's a stress hormone. Mm. And over time, high levels of that are what contributes to high blood pressure. It starts to damage the lining of your blood vessels. It can start to raise levels of harmful cholesterol and other blood fats. That leads to clogged arteries, poor heart muscle function. People with untreated sleep apnea are twice as likely to have a heart attack compared to those who don't have it. Okay, so if your loved one in the house is like, I stood in front of your bed for 20 seconds and you didn't make a sound, time to book the appointment. You need to get on top of this. This is not the one that we ignore. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, thank goodness, are hearing those other things, that what it does to the blood vessels and, and the potential mm -hmm. for raising your, your chance of heart attacks. Leslie, awesome. Okay, our next thing we want to get into, at other questions that made that top 10 Google most searched out uh, questions related to mental health. Uh, specifically, mm -hmm. people are looking for symptoms related to certain diagnoses, ADHD, for example, and depression. Yeah, absolutely. Another, a couple more hot topics and for good reason. And I'm going to try and give you some insight here, but I cannot stress this enough. Um, this is not something you are meant to be diagnosing on your own. Okay, there is clinical criteria for this. I'm going to give you some general ideas about it now, just in case you go, oh, gee, that sounds like me. It does not mean, oh, that sounds like me. This is what I have. And now I'm going to launch into my own personal treatment plan. Okay, if this sounds like you, we need to get you the support that you need. And it exists out there. Okay, so you need to advocate for yourself. You need to know yourself and you need to have these conversations with healthcare providers. Okay, when we look at ADHD, there are several categories that we kind of explore. Um, so that means parts of the diagnosis include inattention as well as hyperactivity or impulsivity. So inattentive symptoms are things like you have a really hard time listening, inability to complete tasks, 
failure to focus, short attention span. But then the impulsivity or the hyperactivity side could be restlessness, um, you're impulsive during interactions, uh, you have a hard time waiting your own turn for things. Um, and then in addition, your healthcare professional is going to look at how long these symptoms have been going on. Were they present as, as a child? Did they affect you in social settings? Does it affect you at work or school? So there's a couple different factors we, we have to group together when we're looking at the ADHD, uh, ADHD side of thing or ADD slash ADHD. With regards to depression, again, multiple criteria that we, we explore, and that includes everything from your mood, uh, weight loss or weight gain, your sleep cycles, uh, feeling tired, uh, feelings of worthlessness or disinterested in, in, in things that used to bring you joy. We, again, we have to put all these symptoms in context. And again, those are evaluated based on duration, severity, and impact to, to your daily life. I mean, the truth is, I just see so much of this on, on social media right now, on Instagram and on TikTok. And it's, uh, it's lovely that we want to do more self-care and read more about these things. I think it's great. I just want to be really cautious about the language we use. And that's why I say, mm. if this sounds like you, you need to have a real conversation with a healthcare professional. I see this a lot with OCD of all things, obsessive compulsive disorder, where people are kind of using this as a colloquial term, like, oh, I know I, I have to wash the dishes after I'm done eating. It's because I have OCD. This is this, That's a real diagnosis. And you needing to wash the dishes, in fairness, might be part of an OCD diagnosis. It might not. So I just want to be really cautious, like ADD, ADHD, depression, anxiety. Like these are a lot that we're kind of tossing around really mm. willy-nilly. And if it's because we're opening up dialogue, I think that's fabulous. I just want to stress that if it's because you're, you're feeling like you're reading something on the Internet and you're like, oh, my goodness, they're speaking to me. This is it. They're in my head. Great. I'm glad you found something that makes you feel seen and heard. But now you need to have a conversation with somebody that can actually help you through the rest of it. Like just talking about it and pointing at it is it's great first step. Mm -hmm. We need to go the next step further. And I just really want to caution people around using this one at the dinner table and starting to tell other people (laughs) what you think you might have based on what. Exactly. Yes. Yes. That's it. Can't wait for the turkey. I know what your problem is. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you're worried about those dishes because they need to be done. Um, Leslie, absolutely exactly. fantastic. Oh, as usual, fantastic. Well, Go ahead. Oh, just gonna say thank you, guys. You know, it's always such a pleasure to chat with you. I feel very fortunate that we get to have the kinds of oh, conversations man. we do. And Us too. And so we've opened up the doors for some bigger chats, then that's a great thing. So thanks again for everything, and uh, and here's to a happy and healthy 2024 for all of us. Thank you. Thanks, Leslie. We'll see you in the new year. And these chats, we look forward to them. So full of information. Take care of yourself. You too, guys. Registered- Registered nurse Leslie DePoe joins us on the second Wednesday of the month for our health check-in. Up next, folks, what were some of the biggest sports stories of the year? Brock Richardson, he's going to be here to discuss them with us and give us some idea. And, oh, 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 hold on. I think he's even got some more information on that show. You know it. His little uh, favorite show because it's a great show and it's coming back. The Neutral Zone. We'll talk to him about it all and more after this. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts. 